0: I do want to say, too, uh, just thank you so much for your faithful giving to the mission of what God is doing here. I know you see that every week, that obviously we're in a, in a, in a tight spot uh, financially as we've been going through a lot of transition in this new year. But we are amazed, even in the midst of that, at all the things God is doing around here. In fact, in the last month, we're not just talking about people who raised their hands in a service. We're talking about people who have had actual follow-up and uh, taken next steps in their, in their faith. We have had uh, 17 people in the last month come to faith in Christ for the very first time in their life here. And uh, so much of that is because of your committed service as well with that. I know, you know some people are like, oh, these, you know, the new membership changes around here that happened in the Wesleyan denomination over the last year, you know, whose bright idea was that? It was not ours. Uh, but we're excited to be able to, uh, to each year say, hey, you know what? I believe in what God is doing around here, and I want to continue to be a part of that. And so thank you, thank you so much. If you uh, haven't reaffirmed, we have uh, forms on the way out. We've got that on the website. Also, for new uh, folks who would like to become a member and say, hey, I'd like to find out about some of those next steps— then uh, we have a class right after service today. Lunch is provided, and so we invite you to come. Uh, even if you didn't pre register for that, we can probably find a space for you. And uh, just head right out after the service towards Kids World. Take a right, head up the stairs, and we will see you there. Let me ask you a question How many of you are ready to study God's Word today? <clears throat> Come on now, we are in Galatians chapter 5 all month long through October. This is week three of our series called Personality Profiles, where we are talking about character development in the Bible, what it means to be more like Christ, and growing in both our strengths and our weaknesses. And so I want to start with another question, and this is kind of really the question that I I want to use as our introduction to today's topic in this series. And the question is simply this, who does the Bible say we were created in the image of? Everybody say together, we were created in the image of, of God. And so whenever you see a human being in an act of Pure generosity. In every, whenever you see a human demonstrate an act of pure love, of, of pure forgiveness, what you are seeing in that moment is a reflection of the image of God. Now sometimes it is a momentary reflection and then it is gone. Uh, but, but we are seeing the image of God reflected in humanity because we were created in his Image The theologians call this prevenient grace. Uh, and so w- where all this comes together in this series, I want to give you just kind of a 5,000-foot view of what we're looking at over this month to kind of help put some of those pieces of the puzzle together. That, that when it comes to the four major personality types, that last week we talked about the Ds, people who are dominating and decisive, And yet, who is more dominant than the God who is the creator and the sustainer of the universe? God is the ultimate in dominant. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about people who are the I personalities, inspiring and impressing and interacting and influential. But who is more interacting than the God who actually seeks to have a relationship with the people whom he has created in his image? Today we're going to talk about the S's, people who are steady and stable and servant-hearted. And yet, who is more steady and stable than the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about people who are conscientious and contemplative and and concerned about detail. Yet, who is more concerned about detail than the God who designed a delicate flower? Think about the the intricate systems and the balance of the ecosystems that sustain nature itself. God is so concerned about detail. And so what's really cool is if you take all of the, the basic personality types and you put them together with all of their strengths but without any weaknesses, I mean, this would be the perfect person, wouldn't it? Would this not just be the most perfect human being who ever walked the face of the earth but of course nobody's perfect oh wait except for this one guy (laughs) 2,000 years ago who walked the earth and his name was Jesus Jesus. and so when you put all of the the strengths of our personalities together in many ways it gives you a picture of Jesus isn't that cool And here's what's what's also really cool, is that this is the purpose of the church. Because we as the church are called the body of Christ. That metaphor shows up all throughout the New Testament. And it says that that you are one part of the body and someone over here is another part of the body and that all of us have strengths and weaknesses and different giftings and talents and abilities. And as we bring those together together, we, Scripture says, are the body of Christ. that The D's and the I's and the S's and the C's. And when you put all of our personalities together in the church, that is when you begin to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. Christ. And so if you take a look around this room right now, up in the balcony and down on the floor, look up and look down and look at the people beside you and behind you and in front of you, what you see in this room is a reflection of the image of Christ revealed in this world in flesh to this day. Now, now sometimes it is a dim reflection, yes? Because we all have our weaknesses and sometimes we don't live out, up to his calling and his his image in our life, But, but that is why we need each other, because it is in coming together that we truly see Christ in the church. Isn't that cool? Isn't that good stuff? Does that help give some context? And so what we're talking about here is not God doing away with your personality type, What we're talking about is not God wiping out your personality, but God's goal is to wipe out the sin that prevents His glory from shining through your personality. Look look at this passage. This is a beautiful, beautiful verse of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. Isn't that beautiful, folks? I mean, this is what it's all about right here. This is what we're talking about. And so the question we've been wrestling with is how does God do this? That as as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, how do we become more and more like Him so that we can reflect His glory more and more into this world. And so we have been studying the fruit of the Spirit. It's on the screen. It's in your notes. Let's read it out loud together, okay? Are you ready? Good and strong, all together. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control and we've been seeing how that your strengths the areas of the fruit of the spirit that you are strong in and the areas of the fruit of the spirit that you are weak in often correlates with your personality type and so we'll come back to the fruit of the spirit in just a minute uh, but, but as we did that introduction, if you have not been here for the last two Sundays, we encourage you go to our website, mw.church. You can watch and catch up. Also, if you have not yet taken that test, www.123test.com. And the very first free test that you can take on 123test.com is the disc profile test so that you can see your mix. Because none of us are purely one But we all have a predominant type, that you are more of one than the others. And we tend to be a mix of neighboring quadrants. So some people are primarily a D, and they have a little bit of I and a little bit of C. Some people are primarily an S, they have a little bit of C and a little bit of I. And as you go around the circle, we tend to be combinations of neighboring quadrants. Last week, we talked about the Ds, the dominant and decisive, the directing and demanding personality, Today, we are going to talk about the S's, the opposite quadrant. Are you ready? In your notes, here we go. Number one, S's tend to be more relational and less demanding. While the D's are very task and project oriented, S's tend to be more laid back. When it's time to work, they can do that. When it's time to just hang back, they can do that Two, number two, S's tend to be great team players. If you have a project and all four of the personality types are working together on that project, many times the D wants to take control of the project. The I wants to turn it into a party. (laughs) The S's, or, or I'm sorry, the C's wanna tell you all the reasons the project cannot be done And meanwhile, the S's are saying, why can't we all just get along? And so even though they're not as task-driven, many times an S can be highly productive because of all the time the D's spend trying to control, the I's spend socializing, the C's spend analyzing, and meanwhile, the S says, folks, let's just find a compromise and get it done. That's why we need S personalities on the team. That's why we need them in the church. Uh, Rick McGinnis, who teaches on this, uh, says something so great. He says, if we did not have S-type people, here's what would happen. The D's and the C's would kill each other, and the I's would turn the funeral into the social event of the year. And so it is important to have S personalities on your team. When everybody else is, is ready to run off and make, you know, uh, some big decision uh, that, that maybe heads in a different direction, here, number three, Ss are the ones who are constant and committed. That, that these are the people who are known for being loyal and faithful. And this also has to do with vision and goals. That once you convince an S of something, sometimes it can be hard to change their mind, that they're going to stick with it, which is why, number four, S's can be uh, resistant to change or to risk. You remember from last week that old saying, if it ain't broke, what? Don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we said that D's hate that saying because they think they can fix anything. Well, S's are the ones who made up that saying. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because they say, you know, if we fix it, it might upset people. We don't want to upset anybody. want to make sure that everybody feels okay. S's help keep us grounded. Uh, my wife, Tracy, has a lot of S in her personality mix. A lot. And let me explain how some of these come about in different, these traits are manifested in different ways. Uh, for example, Tracy is not necessarily resistant to change. She loves change. In fact, she will change the furniture arrangement in our house all the time. I never know what to expect when I come home. It's dangerous walking in the dark in the middle of the night. <laughs> I swear that couch was not there yesterday. Uh, but, and she also loves to change her hairstyle more than New Brunswick changes weather. And that, uh, it, I, it's funny, when we were first married, in our first year of marriage, she would go to the hair salon to get her hair worked on. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had that problem in a long time. And, and so to, uh, to have hair surgery. And, uh, and so, so when, when she would go to get her hair cut and she would ask me for my opinion, Joel, what do you think I should do? Should I get my hair cut, you know, cut short or should I leave it long? Should I have it curled or should I leave it straight? And so here's what I, found, I find funny looking back. That back then, I used to think what I said mattered. <laughs> that, that she was going to do what I said, but she did not. And so I would say, uh, cut it short and she'll leave it long, or, or I like it curly and she would leave it straight. And so I try not to be offended by that. Sometimes she, uh, she still asks my opinion, but I know it doesn't matter because she just wants me to feel included as an S personality. And so she's not necessarily resistant to change. I, here's what I do say, though. As long as you don't come back home with a haircut like mine, we're good. And, uh, and so uh, she is not resistant to change, but she is resistant to risk. She likes things to be safe. I, I love motorcycles. Uh, I've ridden motorcycles and owned motorcycles and crashed motorcycles. I've, and, and she is terrified of them i i have spent time on the racetrack driving race cars i love it i love speed and adrenaline and tracy thinks that that is absolutely insane Uh, i you know i love skiing she likes sitting by the fireplace reading a book and so uh so in, in fact one time i convinced her to go whitewater rafting i thought you know once she gets in the boat and sees the beauty of nature, she's going to enjoy it. I was wrong. She did not. And so what's, what's funny is they instruct you to paddle into the rapids. Tracy physically found that impossible to do. We would paddle towards the rapids. She was paddling away. It, it, was, it was a bad equation. Now, I love S personalities so much that I married one. Being steady and stable and servant-hearted, these are great Qualities. But if you are an S, you know that there can be a downside. That sometimes your practicality can become indecisiveness. Sometimes your consistency can become stubbornness. Sometimes your loyalty allows people to take advantage of you. And so let's look at the fruit of the Spirit again. Let's see uh, which, which ones maybe apply today for a growth area for S personalities. Let's read it all together again. But the fruit of the Spirit is, here we go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now remember, it's tricky because in the original Greek language, the language in which the New Testament was written, that sometimes the words had meanings and context that are deeper than our English language reveals. And so I want you to just take a guess. Go ahead and shout out some answers. It's okay, because this is not rocket science, or this is not a hard and fast science either. This is just, this is all opinionating. But which, which do you think, just shout out some answers, which do you think the, the, the S personalities maybe struggle with the most? You ready? Peace. what else, what else? Faithfulness, okay, what else, what else? Okay, those, those are all great ideas, and you, you have the right to disagree with what's being proposed today, because at first it's not going to make any sense. But the suggestion is that goodness and faithfulness are perhaps growth areas, and I heard some of you say these, for an S personality. Now, that does not seem to make any sense, because goodness and faithfulness, seems like, that seems like that would be kind of the hallmark of an S personality. And so, let's look into the depth of the Greek words here in this fruit of the Spirit. Goodness. The Greek word is agathosune. Everybody say agathosune. agathosune. Very good. You are such Greek experts. I love it. The definition is standing for virtue at every point. You see, an S personality tends to be very nice and kind, but here is the difference. Maybe you tend to be good by nature, but maybe you are not as likely to stand up for good when it comes to rocking the boat or confronting people who are out of line. See, if you dig a little deeper into this word, agathosune, you see that there is actually a level of aggressiveness here in this word. Greek expert William Barclay says that agathosune includes the ability to rebuke and discipline and this is a level of, of goodness where you actually have the courage to confront wrongdoing rebuke means rebuke means to speak up when something is out of line or when someone is out of line and discipline means to enforce clear consequences a great example of this is found in matthew chapter 21 Verse 12 and 13, Jesus goes into the temple in this passage and he finds con artists who are scamming people and cheating and lying and stealing from people. And in verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. And so Jesus had the courage to confront those who were doing wrong. And so maybe as a parent today, maybe you struggle sometimes with enforcing clear boundaries with your kids. Maybe there are times when someone does something inappropriate and you just kind of let it go because you're not sure that you want to rock the boat. But what if God could give you the courage to stand up and to speak up for what is right. Now, what about the other fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness? The Greek word here in in Galatians 5 is pistis. Pistis. Everybody say that together. Pistis. The definition is a belief in God that moves one to action. You see, there is a problem with our culture's definition of Faithfulness or keeping the faith. We tend to use the word in English as a possession word. How do we say it? I have faith, like something you possess, like I have a bank account, or I have a car, I have a job, as something you possess kind of passively, and also we use faithfulness as a, as a statement of, of being, like I am a Canadian, I am a Christian, I am a husband, as a statement of being, something passive. But in reality, this fruit of the Spirit has more than just to do with the state of our being, it actually involves doing, in the Bible, pistis is actually from a verb form of the word, pistou, that literally means faithing or acting in faith. We don't even have an equivalent word in English. It would be kind of like, you know, I am faithing in God. Or, or today I am so tired because I have just been faithing all day long. In other words, I have been living a faith driven life. I am making faith driven decisions. It is a strong word that implies bold action in response to belief. For example, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 9. It says, it was by faith. Guess what? Again, same Greek word, pistis. It was by faith. The same word as the fruit of the spirit. That Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's faith. So when when God called Abraham, he was living a comfortable life. He lived in Haran where his Father-in-law had amassed a fortune. He was living a comfortable life. He had money. He had security. But verse 9 says, when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. Again, it's that word, pistis, from the fruit of the Spirit. For he was like a foreigner living in a tent. Just living out there in a tent, living on the edge with God. Would you be willing to do that? Maybe you're here today and you are very steady and stable. You're you're faithful, you are committed. But does your commitment to God actually lead you to take bold steps in obedience to God? When He puts something scary or courageous on your heart, that you need to do and so how do we grow in the fruits of goodness standing up for virtue and faithfulness taking risks for God just a couple of suggestions today number one in times of giving and receiving in the Old Testament there was a guy named Moses who had a lot of s characteristics he was uh, steady and, and faithful, he, was, uh, he cared about others, he was a servant of God, and he was always like many S personalities, Moses was always willing to give, he was always willing to serve, always willing to help other people. But sometimes an S so much wants to help and give that they are unwilling to receive help from others. That's why in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 through 17, the Lord said to Moses, bring me seventy of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the Spirit that is on you and put the Spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. See, there are some of you here today, you would help or do anything for anyone, but you don't want to receive help from others. And maybe sometimes God lets us get to the end of our rope so that we have to receive help in order that we can realize how much we need each other in the body of Christ. Number two, or are we... Yes, number two, in times of honest confrontation, times of honest confrontation, uh, who here likes conflict? I don't want you to raise your hand, because if you really, really like conflict, it's like, oh man, I, I love uncomfortable conversations. I just... I love, I love hurting people's feelings. Anybody? I hope not, right? So nobody likes conflict, but sometimes confrontation is absolutely necessary. Ephesians 4 verse 25 says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body, that we have to stand up for virtue, that we have to be able to speak out against injustice. And notice that it doesn't say, so go around and speak the truth about the problems that you have with your neighbor and tell everybody else, does it? It doesn't say that, which is what many times people in the world do. Do you know what speaking about people in this way is called? It's called gossip. And gossip is a cancer that will kill a church faster than anything else. And so scripture doesn't say, go out and tell everybody what they've done wrong. It says, go and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? Because we are all members of one body. Not to hurt each other, but to bless and encourage and correct one another. Number three, in times of uncertainty... Uh, maybe you want things to be comfortable and safe in your life. But there's this interesting story in Amos chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, where it says to the ancient Israelites, you drink wine by the bowlful, and use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. In other words, this is a way of saying that you have all the comfort of a secure life but you're not willing to get out of that comfort zone to pursue God's purpose. Verse 7 says, Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. You know, sometimes God will allow us to face times of exile in our lives, away from our people, away from our comfort, away from our security in order that we can learn to truly trust in Him. Number four, in times of spiritual risk-taking. Now, I know that number three and number four may sound very similar. Times of uncertainty and times of risk-taking. But there is a difference, actually. That times of uncertainty, you don't get to choose. They just come upon you. You, you, you just kind of end up in a time of uncertainty. But times of risk-taking are those times when God actually gives you a choice as to whether you will follow Him into the unknown. And maybe you look at people who live out on the edge with God. Maybe you look at people who who leave everything to go and serve in missions in a place like Haiti or Africa, and you say, oh my goodness, I I just can't even imagine. Or you look at people who who donate huge sums of money sacrificially to the work of God, and you say, I just can't do that. I just can't even see. I wish I had that kind of faith to step out and and start a ministry or to do something that's, that's out of your comfort zone. And you say, I just couldn't do that. And God says, yes, you can. But it requires that you trust me more than your security. And so for some, maybe, maybe what God is going to call you to do is to step out and serve in youth ministry. You're like, oh my goodness, I cannot imagine something so far out of my comfort zone. <laughs> that, that God is going to call you to mentor a teenager. And it's going to take some courage to step out and do that. For some, maybe, maybe God is calling you to serve in one of our church's outreach ministries, to get out on the city streets, Maybe, maybe God is speaking to you about financial faith, about stepping out to finally begin to tithe like the Bible talks about, that 10%, but you've been afraid to trust God. And maybe that's what God wants to do so that He can finally unlock His blessing and provision in your life like never before. Maybe, maybe God wants you to go on one of our missions trips To go and experience a different culture and get you out of your comfort zone where you begin to hear His voice in a new way and minister to people like you have never been around before. Maybe it's to go over to a neighbor's house and invite them to church. I I I once had a Bible professor. It's kind of funny that last week I ended with a quote from a Bible professor that I had had and I was thinking about that this week, and it brought to mind a quote from another Bible professor that I had many years ago, Malcolm Ellis, who said something that I I recently found I think is maybe a quote originally from uh, Samuel Clements, but it was something like this. He said, why do we step out on a limb? Because after all, if you're going to be up in a tree, the safe place to be is hugging the trunk of the tree, right? Right? That's not gonna break. That's the safe place to be, the, the place of security. And so, why in the world would you go out on a limb? And he answered the question like this because that is where the fruit is. You see, fruit and abundance, the true blessing of God is not found seeking the comfort and security that this world provides. To get the fruit, you have to go out on a limb. Would you just stay seated as we pray together? And I'll give you a moment to meditate and just ask, God, is there any area in my life that you are speaking to me, where you are calling me? And so, Heavenly Father, we invite you to help us apply the truth of your word to our hearts. Lord, help us to live with a bold and courageous faith. Now, there are some here today who who just love change. They love to take risks. They love living out on the edge. And frankly, this message is really not for them. This is for those of us who are more cautious. Give us wisdom and discernment To know how to apply this truth to our lives today. Maybe there is a a confrontation that we need to make. There's a, a conversation that we have been avoiding. But you're speaking to us right now saying that we need to go and talk to that person. Maybe there is an injustice and we need to speak up in defense of someone who is being victimized. Father, maybe you're calling someone here to step out in, in faith. Maybe you're calling us to radical generosity for some who, who have never, never tithed 10% of their income to the mission of Jesus. Maybe you're speaking today. Maybe you're calling someone to ministry today, to be involved in something that is so far out of their comfort zone. And so, Father, as we sit here for these next few moments and as we listen to and meditate upon the words to this song. Lord, in these next few moments, we invite you to speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us.